Blog Talk Radio. On today's Mama Love It show, we're going to shout out all the August birthdays in the eighth grade. We have questions to get to about this school year, next school year, corona reopenings, and what we would do if we had a million dollars to spend. As always, we'll wrap it up with an idiom for period C and D, E, L, A, and a dad joke. Today's Mama Love It show is brought to you by Bus Driver Buddy. Bus Driver Buddy is your ticket to near-death excitement on your local city bus. Let's go! All right, good morning, everybody. It is 32 of the Mama Levitt Show. Wednesday, June 10th, week 13, school day 57, overall day 90 of coronation. 90, which means I think we're going to get close, make it to 99 by the end of, of school. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Um, that reminder is crazy. you can have a show on iTunes or Spotify. I'm Mr. McGowan. I'm here with Miss Moore and Mrs. Levitt. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. And I, I have a Wednesday song for our, our closing song today, but there's not too many Wednesday songs. There's a lot of Friday <laughs> songs, and there's Saturday songs, and you know, there's just another manic Monday. Tuesday's song, but there's not a lot of Wednesday songs. I was able to find a Wednesday song, so we'll play that at the end of uh, end of the show. Um, I think we'll have Mr. Jaffe joining us later, but first off, let's do some birthday shout-outs. We've been doing the ones over the summer, so let's do some August birthday shout-outs today. So let's get all the students in the 8th grade moving on to ninth grade who will be turning 14 or 15, most likely, in August. We got Mary. Mary's going to be 14 on August 1st. Uh, we got Jeffrey. Jeffrey is going to be 15 on August 2nd. Uh, we got Carlos C. is going to be 14 on August 5th. Jonathan A. is going to be 15 on August 8th. Stephanie R. is going to be 14 on August 8th. So Jonathan and Stephanie have the same birthday. Fun fact. Um, Tiana is going to be 15 on August 11th. Caitlin is going to be 14 on August 13th. Uh, Lily is going to be 14 on August 17th. Um, Gabby P is going to be 15 on August 22nd. Janelle is going to be 15 on August 23rd. And Wendy is going to be 14 on August 24th. So happy birthday to our August birthdays in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. 
lot of August birthdays. A lot, a lot of, a lot of parents getting the kids in right under the wire in order to send them to school. That's yeah, that's, a lot of August birthdays. Yeah, that's uh, that's the boat I'm in. You know, Mr. McGowan will be 42 on August 21st, and Jonathan McGowan will be four on August 22nd. So happy birthday to us! Wow, someone's yelling for their mom out there. Oh my gosh, I did so many noises. <laughs> Sorry, I just put that's my, this Mara's kitty cat. I just, I just put Miss Mara. It, or on. was it Eden? <laughs> yeah, it was both. <laughs> it was Eden and the dog. Oh, not the dog, the but cat. the cat. The cat. It's the cat, yeah. <laughs> I said dog, but. Uh, morning, Mr. Jaffe. How are you today? Oh, again, I'm another big mistake, Mr. Jaffe. How are you, Mr. Jaffe? I'm well. I'm well, everybody. I'm good. How's everybody doing? Good. Hi, we just missed you. Good morning. We just shouted out a bunch of August birthdays for a bunch awesome. of our students. Yeah, we got a lot. We have oh one, two, gosh. three. Seven, eleven August birthdays. That's eleven percent. of our of our class was born in August, um, and a, a lot of them were turning fifteen. So they were like right on the cusp of being in the in the previous class. And you know that happens a lot. A lot of kids with August birthdays they get right. they get summer help. birthdays. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, my, with my I was almost I was almost held back. I was almost not allowed to go to kindergarten because I was I was young and I. I was shy and I didn't speak much. Right, right. Imagine, <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine a, a Mr. McGowan that didn't that didn't talk. Right. <laughs> so, what happened? I know what happened with that. All right. Um, first thing I wanted to share today before we get to we have a bunch of student questions. We have some end of the year reflections. Um, I read a lot of interesting, kind of powerful journals last week about the whole George Floyd thing, and I know we we shared a bunch. Last Friday, I know we heard from Alyssa, Yuri, um, who else did we hear from? Joshua. Uh, oh, Josh. Yeah, Joshua, right? Joshua. Um, there's, a, there's a few more. There's one, I want, there's one that I read after that that I wanted to spotlight that I thought was really good. And it's from Manny A. Um, I, th- I think Manny A was, yeah, he wasn't around at the beginning of the week. So he got all his work done at the at the end of the week. So I think I... This was after he turned this in after the podcast um, on Friday, so I didn't get to read it then, but I, I can read it now. It says the riot started in Minneapolis, the state where George Floyd was choked to death by Officer Derek Chauvin. Over news spread over throughout the entire globe in a matter of days. Most people involved with the, with the protests are actually fed up with discriminatory actions. Pause for a sec. Hold on. I need to read it from the screen. All right. Fed up with discriminatory actions. Meanwhile, some have used it as an opportunity to get free stuff. The protests seem to branch out to be both peaceful acts and violent riots. The Minneapolis police station was set on fire. A journalist named Linda Tirado wrote, and he put the link to it. So good for you, Manny, for citing your sources. For two minutes in a row now, I have woken up. For two mornings in a row now, I have woken up and remembered that I was shot in the eye and I'm now half blind. It's not the sort of thing that you expect to have happen to you. Although, given my line of work, I suppose it's always only been a matter of time. There is no single person to blame for this turn of events. I lost my vision to a nation wreathed in trauma and fire, to a system that sees accountability as discretionary, to a police force that fires into crowds and at journalists. And then Manny says, personally, I'm glad that people are taking a stand for equality, but the way the police and the rioters have been handling it is very disgusting. But realistically speaking, I'm not 100% sure of my opinion. 
I really liked what, what Manny wrote there for a couple of reasons. Um, one is clearly like Miss Levitt, like we were talking about, like Manny went out and found some sources and he was reading some, and he was reading some different things. And I liked how he's not afraid to, sub, to submit an opinion, but at the same time, realize that it's like a, it's, it's like a fluid thing. I love what he says. I'm not a hundred percent sure of my opinion and that's okay. I think that's totally fine. And I wanted to like tell kids that too, that you don't have to be 100% sure of what you think about these things. And by the way, what you think about these things might change over the course of week, month, whatever. Um, but as long as we're like thinking about it and you're like developing an opinion, like it's okay to not know what you think. And I think a lot of kids were in their journals, they expressed some sort of like uncertainty and kind of like what Manny said that, you know, they believe in kind of what's being, what's being protested, but they're very uncomfortable with the destruction of property and some of the looting and some of those things. So it's okay to hold these some different opinions in your brain at the same time. You don't have to be all one way or another. Um, anyone else want to comment on, on Manny's entry before we move on? Yeah. Um, okay, I Jaffe. want, go ahead, Mr. Jaffe. No, go ahead, Ms. Lever. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I didn't hear you. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I just know I, I agree. I, I think I'm, I feel the same way that Manny does. I'm not quite sure, uh, which way to go, uh, and how to feel about everything. It does take a lot of time to process. There's so much going on. And the changes are daily, and you just don't know uh, sometimes. And it's great that he would uh, take the time to reflect, and, and it might take a while to form opinions on, on, on what's going on. It's very complicated. Um, but so that's a great, yeah, great piece of writing, Manny. Yeah, Miss Lovett? Yeah, and, and I think, I think it's, it's very important that, you know, like it's hard to form – an opinion on this because um, you don't know the truth of how everything, except for the fact a man was killed brutally, you know, by a police officer. And as in that people were protesting the injustice at first of the cop just being fired and they were worried that he wasn't going to get arrested and things like that. But that kind of has changed and messaging is starting to change. It's kind of using, you know, so like, and then it becomes violent and protests are supposed to be peaceful. It's a, it's a way for, for governments to know what, what the direction the people are thinking. And when they become violent, it becomes uncertain. You get these, your insides kind of go all kooky, like what the heck's going on? Like, and then you also look at your own personal world sometimes and you're like, you may not see such things as, as bad. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And depending where you live around the world and, um, I know in my house we were just discussing, um, my husband read an article from The Economist today, in which I love the fact that Manny went out and he's reading and he actually looked at sources to kind of, like, think about it. And, like, The Economist was even saying, like, the world protests are just not, it's not necessarily about the violence, like, like the U.S. as much as it's about their own countries and what goes on in their own countries and George Floyd's, like, that symbol of it. So it's kind of an interesting thing, like, you're like Mr. McGowan said, and Mr. Jaffe said, and um, I'm sure Ms. Morrow probably will agree to this. Is like opinions take a long time to form, and opinions change over time when new information comes out, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong hmm. with people 
opinions moving in and out of different things and, and maybe changing minds. That means that you're actually thinking and grappling things and, and trying to figure out what is best or what's really going on. And I think that's important for kids to understand. You don't have to have an all or nothing. You don't have to be all into the game or, or all out of the game. There's that, and most human beings are not that way. They grapple mm-hmm. with opinions and their opinions change and they see the good and the bad in things. Just like kind of, I think what um, Manny was getting at, like he sees some of the positives of this and the reasons and he sees the negatives of it. And it's hard to form an opinion when you see both sides because he's seeing it as a whole, as, as a whole thing and not just looking at fractions of it. And I don't think people in the world are taught that it's okay to see the world and to have a bigger picture or some people don't even have the ability to do that. And I think that's really good. I kind of, I mean, he's always been like that. And I've always enjoyed him in my class. Yeah, um, me too. He's, he's always kind of what good points and an open mind and sees things. So like he's grappling and looking at things from all different perspectives and directions. You can see him um, analytically thinking in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ms. Mary, any thoughts you want to add to Manny? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I echo everything that you guys said. I think it's really important to, um, like, listen to each other at this stage in the game. And I think that we as people sometimes are afraid that if we kind of admit that our opinion changed, then it says something bad about us. Like, oh, right. I, didn't, I didn't, you know, have my opinion formulated, therefore, like, I'm weak or something. And I think it's the opposite. I think that, you know, it shows self-awareness and strength if you can admit to be wrong or willing to listen to people. And I think that whenever we listen, we should listen to people, even if we think they're not going to have anything of value, you should always listen to somebody as if they're going to give you some information that you didn't have before and assume that you might learn something from that person, no matter how far on the other end of the spectrum they are. Cause that's the only way that like both parties or multiple parties can come to an agreement in the middle somewhere because that balance mm-hmm. is where it's at. That's the, that's the only place it's ever going to be at in terms of a solution, in my opinion. Yeah, I, just, you, Ms. Mara. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you do. That's that. I think there's so much pressure in our world today to pick a side. You know, what side do you want? Are you on this side or are you that side? Or, and then once you pick a side, it's almost like, I think a lot of people are looking for what they should be believing based upon what their side is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Being educated, to be an educated person means to make your own decisions about, about things that you can, and like Ms. Levitt said, I agree that like it's, if you change your mind about an issue, that doesn't mean you're weak. Like Ms. Mara just pointed out, it just says that you've been listening and it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to think differently when you get new facts and you get new information and you get maybe a new perspective on your life. It's totally okay to change your mind. There are things that I feel now at age 41 that I did not feel this way when I was a teenager and your perspective on life changes and you get new information. But what bothers me is when people think that they have to have one position and that that's their position forever. And they're going to dig in and dig their trench and they'll defend it like no matter what. And that's, to me, like, that's not what it means to be, like, an educated person. Educated person has to always be reevaluating what they believe and what they think is and true. Can I just add something, too? Sure. Um, even if you feel like you are sure of your position, what I'm seeing a lot of, too, is, like, people that are sure of their position, fine, 
but then not trying to like help out the person that's not that's on the opposite side instead just like separating them or whatever the word is canceling them like that's not how we're going to come to a solution like even if you think you're right and you're sure you're right like help the other person understand why my favorite my favorite proverb my dad taught it to me I forget it comes from some religion but there are no solutions search for them lovingly you're not going to find a complete answer for everybody but you need to search for them in like a loving way and that just is like my motto in life it's a good yeah, motto, Miss Laura. Yeah. Yeah. What was our idiom? Oh, that's a great rule of thumb. That's a great rule of thumb to live by. You know, search, <laughs> search, search for solutions. There are no answers. Now, go get into some student questions. Yassine had a question. Um, a group, wait, wait, a group wait, wait, students, wait, wait, Mr. McGowan. Yassine? Yeah. Yassine Lyle? Do you see now? Yassine, Yassine actually <laughs> made a, yeah, you you didn't appear? Didn't appear. <laughs> Sorry, I had to be no. <laughs> a little sarcasm. It's been I'm a not, long time. <laughs> I'm, not saying you seen, I'm not saying you seen did everything else. <laughs> he did give a question. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it is, yeah, you've seen, you've seen L. Yep, exactly. The, you've seen that we have not heard from very much. Um, we did see his sister. We heard from Amira. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yassine's question was corona-related, and his question was, um, especially since everyone is grouping up to riot and protest, do you think that will have an effect on the spread of coronavirus? And I've been thinking about that, too. (laughs) They're expecting it to, but I'm not aware that it has. I'm the same thing. I think this is a big indicator of that that corona's fine. Like we're fine living with corona, and we're not all yeah. going to get it and die. I mm-hmm. I really do. I think this is kind of like the the great experiment. And they've said there's been people at the protests that have tested positive that are symptomatic, not asymptomatic, that are symptomatic of corona, and that and they're not seeing the numbers of other people within the protest getting it. And the same with like the Ozark party that you heard of a couple weeks ago that no one everyone forgot because that's you know corona news is old news because we're on to something new right now um but it's it's but like they said they had a symptomatic person at that big party or i guess pool place and it didn't spread no one else really got it like when they started Mm -hmm. doing some testing so there's some new stuff coming out it's just being overshadowed the news isn't um really focusing on those stories so i think it's going to be a big test it's almost like Corona is like, it's such old news now. It's like, we were so tired of Corona. Um, but it's but not too, because all these guidelines coming out for school, like why no. then are we like coming down so hard on opening up the schools with all this social distancing and masks? Like, right. Yeah. That's a whole nother debate or talk. But, In the restaurants yeah. being phase two, stage two, like, I mean, like all these, stages within the phases before you can move to the next phase and when does that happen so it's like phase, such a slow phase one it was phase two right now we're in phase two stage one is it phases yes. and stages <laughs> phases. it's crazy the phases and the stages so indoor restaurants is stage is phase two stage two i think right yeah. well i think one of the big things about the protests and what you've seen is all the research is showing us now that outside, when there's outdoor, there's, the people are outside, there's, there's less chance of, of the spread. Most of the stuff that we've seen has been like indoors and people breathing the same air and like the, the air is circulated like in the room or whatever. 
So, yeah, but this is the thing, like, I don't know if students saw that. We can spend a little bit of time talking about this because um, Justin D. had a question. Well, we can hit a couple questions at, a, at the same time. Lornisha's question was, when is school opening back up for high school, the date? Um, Justin D. said, how do you think next year is going to work? And Gabriel said, when we start school next year, will we be learning physically in the high school or at home? Well, the short answer is no one knows exactly. The long answer is they did come out with some, some preliminary guidelines this week about um, what reopening the school will look like. But there's been a lot of pushback against those guidelines. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Ten people or ten students in a room plus yep. two staff max. The other guideline was the students are not allowed to mingle with other staff members. So they have to be in the same room with the same teachers all day, which who knows how that would work. I mean, the whole thing, whoever drew up the guidelines is not an educator. Doesn't understand. Yeah. No. Doesn't, 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 oh, wait. Doesn't and the kids have to be four. six feet apart and, like, from each other and they're not allowed to intermingle with each other either. Like, they can't share things. You can't lend pencils or pens or paper. Um Book, it's just not going to happen, is my opinion. Like, we're going to oh. be sharing. I'll just be honest. We're going to be sharing. There's going to be more than two adults at a certain point. Kids are going to have to move around. Like, so then at what point is, like, that even useful anymore? And I the mean, kids just right. have to be next know. to the desk to talk to kids that need help and stuff like that. Like, I, my shy mm-hmm. kids don't like asking questions in the middle of a classroom. You have to walk mm-hmm. over and then kneel down sometimes and talk to them and help them with things individually. And that that's... You're not allowed and to do that, apparently, if we the go big, to school. <laughs> the big issue, too, in, in my house especially, and not just my house. This is going to be true in Ms. Maris' house, of course, and, like, in yep. like thousands and thousands of, of parents across the country is working parents, what are you going to do with your kids if they can't be in school? You know, like, if, if, if Mrs. McGowan and I have to work five days or four days, whatever it would be, but Michaela only gets to go to school two days, what – do I do with my seven-year-old daughter? I can't leave her home alone. You know, do I have, do I, am I going to pay for someone to take her or do I you know not everyone has like family they can just drop them off at, you know, and my son, Jonathan is going to be four. He's going to be going to preschool, you know, and he's gonna, probably going to have to go to um, the Catholic school. Do I pay the full tuition and then see that they cancel half the school year? Like, do I want to take that risk? So there's a, there's, that's what the conversation that we're having in my house right now of what that's going to look mm-hmm. like. And we're not the only ones. I mean, there's, you know, like, like Miss Mara, like, you know, what would you do? Like, you have to find something to do with your daughter if, if uh, you have to come in. Yeah. Work and she why would home. Why would you guys have to work and your kids don't go to school? How, well, well, your kids have classes too. Yeah. So let's let's. If it's let's, like. Let's, yeah. Well, just one of the things that they're talking about is this sort of a hybrid model between. That's the word right. I'm hearing a lot. The hybrid model between right, uh, right. distance learning and in-person instruction. And I saw like BU, Boston University mentioned something about they were going to have platoons of students. And the word they used was platoons. And it would be like, um, you know, one platoon. <laughs> I love, like, because we're at war, right? This is, we're, we're at war with the virus. Right. The invisible, what is that? The, What's invisible that? Enemy, <laughs> the invisible enemy, as our esteemed leader says. Um, so, but the, the platoon, some of them would be in-person instruction, and then they would rotate, and then they would go to distance learning, and other people would go to in-person instruction, which is great when you're in college and the kids are 21 and they can kind of they're kind of on their own anyway. When you have kindergarten, first grade, second grade kids that can't be left alone, 
how are you going to have them stay home alone and the parents are going to work? Let's face it. One of the big functions of school is childcare. I mean, we have mm-hmm. the Latin phrase in loco parentis means in place of parents. And, you know, like legally when you know parents leave their kids with us and legally we have the parental responsibility for them between 745 and 230. Um, you know, Mr. McGowan, too, I think another issue is going to come up, too, is like, what about teachers? If I have to do split classes, right, and I'm teaching and I'm supposed to do remote teaching, I'm doing two jobs at the same time. So yeah. when yeah. like out like hours of work and 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 like I think that's going to be a bone of contention a little bit because I've already thought of it and I'm you know thinking you know like how am I supposed to grade and check in on my remote students if I if I have kids in front of me am I going to be doing this all at you know is are my out you know like until seven eight nine o'clock at night like what right. where I don't this, think that's going to be a little issue miss love but i think that's going to be a big issue like the issue, issue and teacher issue yeah totally yeah like are the, if the kids because it's school, a lot of work right week. now what i'm doing for school yeah. like i'm online during the school hours all day checking in with kids and doing things preparing for the next remote assignments that i have to put for the following like that's a lot of work mm-hmm. so say in, say in the fall we have a cohort of we have 50 students that come in monday tuesday and then the other 50 stay home on Monday, Tuesday, but we're expected to still teach them. So we're working with the 50 kids in front of us, and we're also teaching the 50 kids at home. You're absolutely right. It's checking that thing. work. The remote work to check takes longer, too, because yeah. it's, all, it's not like you can just ask questions or do certain things. Right. It all has to be in a, different, in a certain format. This, and then we're not, we haven't even gotten to the issues about money, about the school districts having to pay how many thousands of dollars? I mean, Massachusetts, the state just hands us these guidelines saying, oh, you need this many masks and this, you need this many gallons of hand sanitizer and you need gowns and you need this, you need that. So go and buy it. Yeah, go, go purchase, go buy it. And I'm, part of me is just like, no, like blank you, you know, like, you know, you want me to use it? You mm-hmm. give it to me. Then. You know, you got Massachusetts, you pay us to do that. Don't have, don't put it on Everett to buy who we're already strapped with money. Don't put it on us to buy thousands and thousands of these things that you're making us you're making us um, use. And then uh, does that does that mean that teachers get laid off? Does that mean that the kids have higher? Like, how can you have bigger class sizes and social distancing at the same time? Right. I, doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. And, and like, and I don't understand because it's like I think government right now thinks there's there's a money tree that that money grows on trees. You know, like, oh, the district will just get money and they can do this. So, you know, like we have money and it doesn't work that way. And we'll be be getting less money from the state because tax revenue is money is down. Wait till the dollar is deflated and we have inflation and cost of things and you can't buy cost more money to buy something. And people like it's it's, and that's going to affect schools buying things like, you know, right now, you know, Chromebooks are are becoming down in price a little bit, right? That's why we districts have been able to afford to buy some for kids and stuff to rent out or to use, um, hoping they're going to bring the, take good care of them and bring them back in good condition. Um, but if the the dollar deflates, which is, you know, all the stuff I'm reading from, from economists, it's going to if we keep printing money and spending money the way we are, um, mm-hmm. then, then what happens? Districts can't afford it. That's what happened in the 80s when they were laying off teachers. And cutting things. 
I'm not, I don't when, when, my, when my mom and my dad were in high school, I think, maybe junior high. Yeah, maybe it was junior high. Um, this is in the 70s. They had to go. They went to double sessions because of overcrowding and because of teacher layoffs. They had to, they had the, there's like a morning session and there's an afternoon session, which I've also been told like that's a possibility too, to, that districts will be looking at is having like one group in the morning, one group in the afternoon. But then it's, the question comes up. How 10 it, classes a day. <laughs> yeah, how are they, are we 10 classes a day. How are the afternoon kids going to get to school? How are the morning kids going to yeah. get home from school? Who's going to watch the afternoon kids? Who's going to watch the morning? It becomes a huge, huge issue. Um, so students well, listening, kids, like, kids, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Kids Jackson. don't seem yes. Kids don't seem to get the virus, and um, I just think we should all That's come cool. back and see what happens. Yeah, I know that we don't want kids to be carriers and bringing the virus home to their parents and grandparents would be worse, but. No, definitely not. But now that, it, now that we've flattened, now that the curve has been kind of has been flattened and it's been pushed it out, it certainly has. Like Miss Levitt said, and we pointed this out, the point of the of the lockdown was never to cure the virus. The point was to slow down the curve, to flatten the right. curve, to buy us time to figure this some things out and to and to work through procedures. And you know, the point of the lockdowns was never to cure the virus. So there's always going to be a period of time when we were going to have to go back to our normal lives without un- until there's a vaccine, which might take years. You know, I, well, I've heard Fauci I... say that there will, you know, the, the, there's some great studies going on. They're getting good results. There might be a vaccine by the end of the year, and that could be it. We could be this uh, yeah. case closed. We could be. And Mr. Jaffe, I've read articles. I don't know if you have, but they're saying that the the vaccine or the, the the virus right now is dissipating right now. It is not strong as strong it, it as it is, was, it, it, and that it's, it's starting not, to work exactly. to die off and work through its system like all viruses do, like a normal and it's virus. It's also very stable, right? It's not even changing, which is what. Yeah. Yeah. At first, they were worried about the mutations. Yeah. So like if, we get, if we get a vaccine, we're all set. Yeah. And the vaccine well, may not be like for the polio. new corona that's going to happen again. So that's the only problem with that, like the flu. Like you never can predict what flu you're going to get every not. season. Right. But sometimes I, they make mistakes. A couple of years ago, they made they it wasn't affected at all, and there was no. just the influenza flu was awful. Was and I know people who get the flu after they right after they take the shot. Like they're sick for days right after they get the shot because you're putting a live virus in you, and your immune yeah. system wasn't ready for it. So. I can remember back in the day, uh, I don't think they would do this today because, you know, parents have, uh, you know, have obviously let, you know, control over their kids. But we would line up and we got, we used to get the polio shot in school. And then Mm -hmm. later on, we got the the little drink, you know, the Sabin, the the oral vaccine. And we, everybody got it. And there was no question about it. You just got it. I think they couldn't do that today. It would probably be a little. Tr- no, no, we know a little bit more it. about the government and their vaccination programs um, <laughs> and, and testing of their vaccination programs in the past. Well, well I think <laughs> so not everybody. I guess a few of us. Maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss <Lyle>. Well, <laughs> no, I remember, I remember, yeah, like, even in the eighties when I went to school, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember, getting the pol- I remember getting the polio vaccine that way. You know, oh, you got it in school, really, even in the 80s? 
I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I kind of rem- that that vaguely yeah. rings a bell. I did not think they would do it today school. in school. Yo, I definitely got it in school. We all did. I don't even think yeah. we, we even asked, they they asked parents permission. I think they just gave it to us. Of course, who mm. wants to get polio? Nobody. Nobody. No, my mom was telling me this story about it when she, she was in the, in elementary school in the fifties, and she she remembers them coming in and everything like that into the schools and getting it. Because um, my mother yeah, had everything. My mother had all the measles, German measles, regular measles, whooping cough, mumps, the whole <laughs> gamut of disease. We Chicken were talking pox. about how, yeah, how people used to get sick, Bella. and like we're just not used to people being sick for like a week at a time and really right, sick. Right. We're not used to it anymore because of medical technology and all these vaccines. It interferes with work. You know, like if your child's sick for a week, you're out of work for a week. And then if the other kid in the family gets it, then you might be out for another week. And so like, we're just not used to that whole idea of being really sick. We're used to just a day or two of not feeling good, but feeling better enough to go to work and stuff like that. And I think that that's kind of what's like nature's way of saying, Hey, you're, you do get sick sometimes, really, really, really sick where you have to stay home. And it's not going to be fun or pretty. And I yeah. think, you know, like she said, like the the polio, when she got that one, she says it was bad because of the um, causing the permanent paralyzation and stuff like that. Did, did, your, did your mom get the, get the polio? Did, get the polio My mom did not have did, polio. She got the vaccine. Because it was a non-paralytic form that I, I know a kid that got it. And uh, yeah. he was sick, but he, he's, he's fine. Yes, and there's a lot of that that goes around. I've been reading, I read a little bit about polio recently about that too. And they were saying before, like the outbreak, and some people said it was because of cleanliness or something, because the polio um, yeah, virus was in the gut. And that, that people are, were too clean that they weren't um, automatically yeah. vaccinating themselves, which they did for hundreds of thousands of years by just not being as clean as, well, over clean sometimes. <laughs> Which right. makes, which makes me like wonder a, a, about now. Like, we're like all kids being who grow so up in clean. farms? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, you know, kids who grow up in, yeah, kids who grow up in farms, you know, with the chickens and the cows in there, and they never get sick because they're exposed to all these kind of pathogens, you know, and they, they're just fine. And they, even doctors today say you, you should probably give your kids, like, peanut butter a little, you know, when they're little so they can maybe not get mm. it, not get uh, you, you know get rid of those uh, uh, tree you know allergies uh, nut allergies when they're young they won't honest, they won't have I I don't remember in in the 1980s and 90s when I grew up I do not remember a single person I ever encountered having a peanut allergy really and then all <laughs> a single person like and then when I started teaching and, and I was working in when I was at Boston College and I was doing some work in elementary schools and they had tables for like the nut free tables and the right like, right right this like this was that was brand new to me i'd never thought i mean the, the peanut allergy i don't know if it was i don't know where yeah, it came from i never from, knew a kid with a peanut allergy growing up never knew it neither, never knew it, and now, never and then all of a sudden it just I became was a thing 80. yeah yeah do your kids uh, are your kids okay mr mcgowan yeah with nuts they love their, they love their peanut butter sandwiches how about you, Miss Mara? Is Eden does Eden eat nut uh, peanut butter and? Yeah, she's fine. Um, yeah, it just makes ahead. me think, though, like about the fact that now we're going through this stage where like everyone's super cleanly again, which is good, obviously. <laughs> but like what you had mentioned, Miss Levitt, about um, the polio, I wonder if our lack of exposure to other germs could like 
paradoxically lead to like another kind of sickness that we would otherwise have been building up immunities for if we weren't now sanitizing every single inch of our living space, you know? Yeah, especially because of Corona, people, like I went into the dentist yesterday because I've been having some issues and um, with my jaw and, and I, and, and the doc, when, the, when I pumped hand sanitizer, I put enough just to like sanitize your hands where the, the de- dentist was cute. When I left, she, she sanitized my hands some more and she dumped like, I think like a half <laughs> a cup in my hands. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is so gross. I don't need all of this. And it's alcohol. It's not good because your skin does absorb all that stuff. So. Oh yeah. My hands are in such rough shape. I have like hangnails everywhere. My hands are so dry. Crazy stuff. You know, I'm looking for, mm-hmm. I'm looking for, you're talking about like, about exposing your kids. I'm looking for a sound clip from the office when <laughs> Dwight was talking about <laughs> Dwight was saying there's no will- health care in the wild. <laughs> it's funny because like my daughter Malin did did um end up with um some nut allergies and I think my daughter Sophia has some but I know that, and they have a couple other underlying issues that are genetic I think from their father's side that have to do more with um wheat or yeast mm-hmm. or something like that um with their stomach oh. and and things like that um but I did notice both my girls. But my girls are, are no, they're not. They tested negative for celiac, but it's they they get such um, severe um, acid when they eat certain foods, and um, their their throat starts to swell up and things like that. So it's like we're trying to pinpoint what they are because when they get allergy tested, it comes out that they don't have the allergens. And it had, I know it has something to do with Josh's because his father has it, his grandfather had it, his uncles have it, his sisters have it. So it comes from his side of the family. But the nut allergies, like my aunt just found out she's allergic to tree nuts and she, she found out when she was like 70. <laughs> wow. wow. So obviously she never had like anaphylactics, anaphylactics or anything. No. She... It's like me, like Danielle, Miss um, Nato always tells me I can't eat certain things because every time like I'll have like like a peanut butter cliff bar or I have some almonds. So what happens? Um, you get my, like rashes? I get hives all over like like or on my neck and my cheeks Uh-oh. get really itchy and um, my throat will get scratchy. Um, but yeah. she well, a, looks at me and she goes, That's a precursor. Isn't that one of the signs that you gotta, yes. your throat's going to start to swell up? It's a precursor. Like I have probably enough. Like from I have a, a nephew who's who's severely allergic to peanuts and legumes and all and also tree nuts, and like so she's like an allergen, like you know um, what do you uh, uh, amateur expert. <laughs> like yeah, um, but yeah. she like she said to me, she's like sometimes you build you can build tolerances to your allergies so that you don't go into analytic, um, but like. And, like, I, I knew a kid that I worked with when I worked in the hotels. He was 34, and he always ate lobster his whole life. He goes, I was out to dinner with my wife. I had a lobster dinner. I went into analytic shock. They rushed me to the hospital. They told me I was allergic to all shellfish and lobster and peanut butter also. And um, and he said, he, he, they said he probably had the allergen in him his whole life, but it, sometimes it just flares up and triggers at certain ages. Huh. It's weird. It's amazing that he got to 34 when didn't. Wow. No, and he told me he goes he missed his peanut. The, uh... He always missed his um, English muffins oh, wow. with peanut butter on them. 
Yeah, it's just, I, f- I found that I, clip I was about. A, I, I, yeah, I used to get <laughs> like uh, pollen, I, but I grew out of it when I was a kid. I, I I got the red eyes, so I would be really it would be really bad for me in the fall and the spring. But I don't know. Yeah. I That's just kind of grew out of it. Same thing, real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not you an allergy. You it like like you have like. Like every so, it cycles through years. Like some years, it's worse than other years. Some years you're like, oh, I, I don't, I'm not allergic anymore. And then like five years later, you're like, I'm dying <laughs> of the pollen. <laughs> this is McGowan. Is is, is is I was just thinking. Is, so we have one more broadcast on Friday. Yeah, you... we'll broadcast Friday, and then next week we'll just we're going to do the season finale, which is the moving on ceremony, which will not be a live show. The virtual moving on ceremony. Um, I, okay. Just before we get to that, I, I did find a, a quote from, from the office about health care. I don't believe in coddling people. In the wild, there is no health care. In the wild, health care is, ow, I hurt my leg. I can't run. I <laughs> needs me, and I'm dead. Wow. Well, I'm not dead. I'm the lion. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love my, the light. <laughs> Mama loves a health care plan. There is no health care in the wild. <laughs> that was my mother's health care plan. Yeah. If you hurt yourself, she goes, you're fine. Go wash Mama it off Man- and fall. Mama, you Man- hurt yourself. <laughs> Mama Manfred used to say, you're fine. You get up. <laughs> Stop crying. Walk it off. That was great. That was, that was, that was, that was, that was my mom and dad saying, walk it off. And my mom was a nurse. It's like, yeah, walk it off. That's, that's kind of what I do, too. I know. My that's mom is funny now. Like, she has this thing she calls the magic medicine that she gives to the kids. She got it all from her time when she did her huh. master's in like herbal remedies at Mass College of Pharmacy. And she, she goes, oh, I'm going to put the magic medicine on it. And it does actually really work. What is it? I don't even know what it is. My mom. It's like, probably a placebo. My mom has some of these herbs that she, I don't know if she does it much anymore, but she like mixes up these like herbs and like gives them to people. I'm like my dad says it's like, she's like a drug dealer. She like, has all these like herbal. <laughs> <remedies. laughs> yeah. About, about like 10, I, 11 years ago, my mom went back to school and she got a master's in, in applied natural products. It was like some kind of. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's she went cool. back to school again. Like <laughs> um, great discussion. We we just killed about three quarters of our show on talking about next year and then virus. Um, let's a quick commercial break and then we'll come back. We'll do the journal and everything else for our stuff. We'll hear from bus driver buddy. Do you find that your daily ride in the city bus is too safe, too uneventful, basically not life-threateningly enough? Well, you, my friend, are in luck. The Bus Driver Buddy is your ticket to near-death excitement. If your city bus needs a special someone to annoy and distract the bus driver, we have the answer. The Bus Driver Buddy can be that person. He or she is willing to chat up the bus driver because they believe their need to shoot the breeze is more important than everyone's safety. Equip your city bus with any one of these fine Bus Driver Buddies. From lonely retired person to awkward teenager to crazy lady, or from our deluxe line, loud, drunk, smelly guy with barf on his shirt. Any of these models is sure to be lots of fun. Get your bus driver buddy anywhere weird people hang out, like your local urine-soaked city bus terminal bathroom.
All right, we're back on the Mom Levitt Show. Thank you to Bus Driver Buddy for their constant sponsorship of the show. They've been they've been they've been with us from the beginning. In case you see your ride on the city bus is not life threateningly enough. I love their lack of lack of grammar, but you know we like the, the sentiment. We got a ton of questions though that we didn't that we didn't get to, but we're running low on time. Um, I just want to read. We can't actually. We can't. I don't think we can actually answer these questions, but I, just, I wanted to share with you what Marvin, also known as Carlos. I um, loved his, by the way. Right. Um, he, he just kind of came out of the woodwork. I think, I think he didn't do the questions assignment for a few weeks, and I think he made up for it by writing five or six deep questions <laughs> in a row. So I'll just, I'll just share with you some of Carlos's slash Marvin's com- questions. Um, what do you feel of injustice in the world as well as politics and politicians? Yeah, let's talk about that in about 30 seconds. That's a, that's a quick that's like, that's a great part A. Question. Part A. Part B. How do you deal with the feelings of guilt and sadness? Um, anyone got a therapist? They want to, they got a couch we can, we can lie on and talk about that one. Um, part, C. part C. What do you feel about misfortune or how do you feel about misfortune happening to you? Once again, you have like a, we have like thousands of years of Western literature to, to, and Eastern literature talking about misfortune. Um, part D, how do you feel about people using ways to manipulate you into their game and feed off your good fortune? <laughs> and then I want to write a book about that one. Manipulation. Right? Then, right, manipulating you into their game. And, and then the last one is, what do you feel about people that are incredibly lucky? And then typical Carlos fashion, he throws a smiley face in at the end. So, Carlos, <laughs> like a devious very, one too, right? <laughs> right. Such a such a smart kid. So smart. He's so smart. And he has so many like fascinating thoughts. And I wish we could like <laughs> take all those questions individually. But eventually, Carlos, you can come back. We'll have our in four years. We'll have our now annual tradition of the the Maddie reunion for each for graduation, <laughs> and we can uh, we can finally answer your questions. Friday's show for our last like real show of the year on Friday, I wanted to, to talk a lot about the student poll that we put out, the opinion poll. Um, I still have it up there on Google Classroom. I think we have about 40 responses. So if anyone has not done the poll yet, just do, take a minute and do the, some of the poll and we'll answer some of those questions and we'll see what some people put. But for our journal for Wednesday, as part of our end of the year reflections, um, just I want you to think about stuff that we studied in school this year. So your journal question is, what was the most thing you studied this year? What, will you, what do you think you will remember the most from eighth grade academics? What is the most interesting thing you studied this year? Ms. Levin, what do you think that a lot of kids would, would think, or what have kids said in the past was the most interesting thing they studied in civics? I don't know because I only taught it for two years. That's true. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, what do you think? Even from last year, what like what do you think was the most the thing that I a lot think, of the kids took away? I think. Um, well, I got to spend time, which I didn't get to do this year. Last year, they liked at the end of the year when I was going through the reconstruction amendments, they were shocked about the origins of like the Ku Klux Klan and, and political parties and things like that, that kind of opened their eyes to some stuff. Um, they, they, and then um, they, this year, I think like, I don't know, like I, I, they always, I think 
even last year, they both liked the revolutionary period. They like learning about like, because it involved history. So you had stories to tell. And I think they mm-hmm. enjoyed that versus learning about government principles and government. Cause there's not as many stories per se, at least that I know of at, at, at this time in my teaching, I'm hoping I will develop and find stories to go with them to make them more interesting. But like, um, the history part, there's a lot like when you're talking about why we revolt, we re- basically had a revolution and, and broke away from Great Britain and the whole idea of tyranny and good government. Like this, there's a story to be told. So they tend to mm-hmm. find that interesting. Yeah, like for me, like when it comes to government, like government can be like a kind of a dry topic until you actually put a face on it. Until they you act like, like yeah. Yeah, like I thought, like all like the Supreme Court right cases. Too. I just think it's a teacher, right. like the in person this year. I was I was recently in my basement. I found a lot of my notes from my educational law class I took in, at Boston College, and um, I just I, I had all the Supreme Court cases, and I thought that's when you look at the cases and you look at how people's lives are actually affected by the Bill of Rights and those sort of and and, and those sort of questions. That that to me made that's one of the biggest like learning experience I, I, like, I, I ever had in my life. Like I look back on that class that I took as one of the, the ways that really like shaped me kind of thinking about forcing you to look at both sides and thinking about what are the arguments for both sides. I mean, if any of our students, I know a lot of our kids say like, you know, I want to be a lawyer someday. I want to go to law school. You know, that's the kind of stuff that they'll teach you in law school. So I think that's something that I think our students hopefully will, will think if they look back at their civics class. Um, Mr. Jaffe, what do you think are, what are some of the things that students typically remember or. You know, you never know, you know, um, I don't know, motion, density, chemistry. I I guess hopefully there's something for everybody, but I don't, yeah, it's kind of hard to predict what, if, what, if anything, hopefully they found it fun and interesting, but you never know. You know, one, thing, one thing we found, like from our Zoom call last week with the EHS seniors, is they remember stuff from eighth grade. They do. Yeah, they remembered. You know, they, yeah. they they remembered stuff they learned. They 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 would they talked about like specific stories that we read in ELA class. They remembered specific labs yeah. they did in science one of the classes. things I missed this year is going to the EHS graduation and you know kids come yeah. up to you and they say, do you remember when we did this? And sometimes you know you, you don't remember, but Often I do, mm-hmm. and you know, they it, it's fun to kind of reminisce and stuff that we did, and and you know, four years later with the with the graduate with the seniors. Yeah, Miss Mayor, what do you think might be the one of the most interesting things that your students might remember from this year academically? Um, I just think the novels we read, the three novels, and like the historical context or the philosophical stuff that kind of surrounded them. So with the outsiders, it was like you know, how to not judge people based on where they're from, um, one of the many themes. And then we read Cracker, which had so much background about the Vietnam War, PTSD, veterans, soldiers, um, you know, just dog handling. And then, you know, this latest book, Refugee, I think those are like the three highlights of my year. I love math, too. Mm -hmm. It's important, but (laughs) I think they'll remember the novels the most. Yeah, that's that's like the thing about math is like a lot of kids like they don't be like oh yeah I remember the Pythagorean theorem from eighth grade. <laughs> something. It is important stuff, but math is kind of more like a building block and it's a, it's sequential. Um, you know, for for our class, for my class, the every year the big it's either, well it's either Anne Frank or the Outsiders, and we didn't get to do Anne Frank this year. Um, 
But I mean, I, I constantly get kids who back from high school will reference like the outsiders and how much they love certain characters. And they'll be like, what's up greaser. Or like when, when Dante <laughs> Masucci like randomly sent me like a micro story where how he was going to go up, just be a greaser. And he was going to walk around with his collar popped and his white t-shirt. And, and then I, I get kids, that, I get kids that'll, that'll come up to me and they'll be like, they'll tell me to like stay gold pony boy. And, Emily Emily Harris sent me that like a um like a sticker like, like she she was in like Portland Maine and found like a Stay Gold Pony Boy sticker and she bought it like that did to me so like things like that that you know that, that that stays with kids like the outsiders like I was disappointed when they were going to take it out of the curriculum because I just think it's it's a timeless work of art that anyone can relate to no matter your race your color your creed your ethnicity. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be greasers. It can be any marginalized group. You know, just mm-hmm. a metaphor, the greasers are metaphors for that. And it's true for refugee too. And the, I think hopefully the kids that read refugee got something out of it. Um, because all three of those journeys, it all references, you know, all of our ancestors, immigrant journeys in, in a lot of ways. Um, some were mm-hmm. different. Obviously, you know, some of our students have ancestors that came over in, in, in different ways that were not voluntary. But even the ones, even like the refugees are not never voluntary. They didn't want to leave. They were kind of forced to leave. And like my mm-hmm. ancestors over from Ireland during the potato famine, they didn't want to leave, but they had to because their their country was poor. They had no resources and they had to go to the, to the United States where they had opportunity. And so that's kind of the, the story of a lot of different immigrant groups. So hopefully people can get, take something from there. So journal question for Wednesday, what was the most interesting thing you studied this year in school? What do you think you will remember the most from eighth grade academics? All right. And lastly, our idiom. So for ELA period C and D, uh, today's idiom is sell like hotcakes. I love this one. To sell like hotcakes. That's hot a cool cake. one. I think. So the meaning of this is, is if something sells like hotcakes, it means it sells a product that sells many items quickly and in great quantity. Things are like flying off the shelves. Um, fun fact about the origin. Today, when you go to a fair or a carnival, you might buy a hot dog or an ice cream. But in the 1600s, hotcakes or pancakes were the most popular food item and would often sell out quickly. So if you went to like a, like a, like a Renaissance, like an actual Renaissance fair during the Renaissance, <laughs> um, a, literally a Renaissance fair, you would get pancakes. Those were marketplaces. Yeah, the hot cakes are the pancakes. They were the most popular food item. They were like, like I get the fried dough, you know, when you go to, when you go to the carnival. Miss um, <laughs> Mara, what do you think? What's something that might sell like hotcakes or something that does sell like hotcakes? Well, I'm thinking about this latest news, and toilet paper was selling like hotcakes for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Flying yeah. off that's the shelves. It really was flying off the shelves. Mr. Jaffe, what's one thing that might sell like hotcakes? Oh God, yeah, bottled water. I don't, you know, that's kind of boring. You know, you I was thinking, you know what else took? You know what else took a hit for the coronavirus? Was the, all the parking lot carnivals that you? I haven't seen one this year, this spring. Yeah, there's going to be the one in Revere that at the Showcase Cinema usually comes in March. Oh, that's cool. that was those and, are cool. Yeah, and that gets did that they gets have it this year? Down. No, it was it's usually like late March. It's it's usually like right when it's too cold 
to go, but yeah. kids still go anyway. And there's one in St. St. Joseph's. I, I had read that the one in St. Joseph's in Malden. We, yeah. we used to live right across. The, yeah, that's. I think that's canceled. Do you guys remember when the um, when the big water main break on the on the Quabbin Reservoir and you couldn't drink your drinking water or your tap yes. water? And people were like, the, all the bottled water was out, and people yes. were driving to New Hampshire to get water. Maybe like ten years ago, that, maybe. Yeah, even when yeah. I was like yeah. months old, I remember. Yeah, selling like hotcakes. I remember. I remember we had to go. Yeah, we drove to. You had to go to Lynn, because Lynn has its own water supply. Lynn doesn't use the Quabbin Reservoir. You had to go to Lynn to get some kind of water, or like the McDonald's in Lynn, because everything. And then you have to go. I had to go to like New Hampshire, or outside of Greater Boston. Uh, Miss Lovett, what do you think? Boiling water. Have, like, yeah, or boil. Yeah, you had to boil your water, and well, then for over and ten minutes and stuff like that. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, what do you think? Selling yeah. like hotcakes. When I go to Fenway Park, hot dogs sell like hotcakes. <laughs> <laughs> they usually do. I love when Lovett gives a sentence and with such flair. Um, my sentence was, of course, I'm going to take Justin Justin Dean's approach. Justin usually. Um, all his idioms, he, he usually has his theme. His theme is, is, is the orange president. So my sentence is, as soon as, president, as soon as President Trump said that disinfectant might kill the coronavirus, bottles of Lysol would have started selling like hotcakes if the company hadn't put a disclaimer on them. <laughs> selling, like, selling like hotcakes. So that's for period C and D. Your journal is about the most interesting thing you studied this year. Um, again, congratulations to all the August birthdays. And to everyone else for um, for their work. Oh, the, we had a couple. We've had a couple of the best idioms so far. But let your hair down. Josh said, "I let my hair down when I'm not in games and I'm just playing around." And Andy says, "I have not let my hair down because instead of watching sports, I've been doing schoolwork." So good for you, Andy. Keep that up. Keep that going. All right, guys. We got one more um, show. We'll finish up Mama Levitt Show season one, episode thirty-three. And then on Friday, and then on next week, we'll have our special season finale, which will be the virtual moving on ceremony, which will not be a live show, but that will be, we're, we're working, so students were working this week on putting together some kind of a virtual moving on ceremony for next week. So pay attention to that. Tomorrow, don't forget, you guys have to come into school and get your belongings. If you have them, I sent out a list of kids that don't have anything. So if you're oh, on that list, don't waste your time. What's that? procedure they, like, yeah, you can't just, right. like it's only one kid at a time goes to their one table for time. their homeroom you can't all right. just bombard so i think mr ngali addressed this in her email but yeah there's going to yeah. be four different tables for the four homerooms um one student at a time you can come up find your bag take it i mean most of the stuff is going to be trashed anyway but a few people right. they have jackets and they have things in there that that were their belongings so Come get your stuff. If you don't want it, you just already in a trash bag. You can just toss it in the trash when you get home. The, um, the, the thing that I saw was a value of case. You have um, a winter jacket that I put in a bag, and it's waiting for you to get picked up tomorrow. Yep, she's jacket. Like a nice jacket. Had a, Anthony had a jacket. You know, Steve had a bunch of stuff in his locker. Oh, and, that um, and I had a coat. And I had a coat. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's, cool. a, there's some coats in there, so... Some people took all their stuff home because we were thinking about, I think everyone had homework on Thursday, March 12th. So some students took all their binders home and some students didn't. So you might have some binders, whatever. So tomorrow's the day. I don't know what time, but Ms. Tringali probably communicated that to kids. 
Um, if you're not sure, just send Mr. Ngali an email, or we can find out, and I can post it. But that's for tomorrow, June 11th, on Thursday. Come in and get your stuff. We're working on the virtual moving on ceremony. Please finish all your work for this week, because everything will factor in to Bye, your everybody. Trade. And for Great Mr. Jaffe, yep, it's good. Enjoy the day today. But for Mr. Jaffe, Miss Lovett, and Miss Mara, I'm Mr. McGowan, and saying do something good today and don't get caught. And listen to our Wednesday song to close it out. It's called Waiting for Wednesday by Lisa Loeb and Nine. <laughs>